Basically, you're reading the Bible for the first time. Yeah. Is it just the New Testament or? It's no, the whole thing, the whole thing. I it like started, started at Genesis and now, yeah, I mean, Ephesians, that's like book you're 40s. At the end. I, I am almost at the end. No. And it's the thing is that so many of the later books in the New Testament are just like letters that Paul wrote. Mm-hmm. So they're a page long, like three chapters. It's incredible. So yeah, I'm basically like, if you look at the physical, like after the book, I'm, I'm basically at the end. It's, uh, I'm getting there. And you know what, considering I started like end of November, beginning of December, uh, that's how long it takes to read the Bible in its entirety. If you, you know, and you know what, that's, you've been really consistent because I know there's a lot of like plans, like read the Bible in a year and it gives you, you know, the, the right way to do that supposedly, but it sounds like you're really just ripping through. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, here's the thing is that there's, you know, obviously it's first time, very cursory kind of review of it. And also I have like, this kind of why I started the podcast is to keep myself honest right is like normally people are like i'm finally going to read the most important and foundational text in western civilization over the past 2000 years and they read genesis and they're like i'm blowing through this and they read most of exodus they're like awesome and then they get to the part of exodus where god is describing or like telling them how to build the ark Mm-hmm. And that just drags on. <laughs> and then you get to numbers and again, more dragging at the beginning. Like it's just, uh, you know, genealogy. And usually that's where people are like, eh, that's good enough for now. And then they never come back. Mm-hmm. So have you read like the books? There's different, the, like I, I was raised Catholic. So my Bible is a Catholic Bible and it contains uh, several, it's mostly in the Old Testament, books of wisdom, like Sirach, um, Tobit. That's not in Protestant Bibles. So no, it, it's, it's not. It's just because I'm using the um, revised standard version because when I was in school, that was the version they made us buy. Yeah, that's uh, what I have. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a very popular one for like scholars, right? Because it's like, oh, it's just it's literally translated or, or whatever. Uh, but yeah, the books that it includes are the Protestant books. There's no Maccabees. There's no like there's a secret hidden psalm that apparently uh, like a 151st psalm. It's like the Mew uh, of, of psalms. If there's like 150, you know, original Pokemon and then one of the psalms is a latin one that's like it's hidden and you have to you know uh hack the machine to get it or something i don't know anyway but yeah so i'm I'm just doing that one just because you gotta you gotta do something uh like people are always like oh i can't believe like i was at a party yesterday and like one of the guys was giving me shit he's just like what i can't believe you're not reading the vulgate why are you like you're reading the heretic bible you know you're reading the bad bible and it's like man it's just it's just the it's just a bible it's, it's just the one that I physically have. I'm not not trying to take a stand here. There's a lot of it's it's really discouraging. And as I was reading Ephesians, like in chapter four, there's like, you know, some really beautiful verses about, you know, uplift each other. Don't backbite. Don't squabble over unimportant things. And that's like the main thing you notice on you know catholic twitter christian twitter orthodox twitter it's like everybody's just constantly like instead of just being like a good witness and a joyful christian or or whatever your religion is it's like it's more important to them to be right and like own each other and it makes me so sad because that like it's not anything super important it's i don't know it's really yeah well it's just like it's it's just internet bullshit where people uh and and like one of the things that really gets me like in addition to that is like how a lot of 
even just religious identities and not like, oh, like I'm a Catholic and I want to own people, but people will be like, I'm going to become a Catholic to own the libs. Like how sick would it be to become a trad cat and I'm going to uh, take a picture of myself praying and that's going to own all the soy liberals. And it's just like, this is the most, like the, there have been a lot of, you know, like, faith in Christianity and whatever, like people have done a lot of bad things in the name of Christ, but that one is like, it may not be the most violent or miserable or whatever, but it's definitely one of the just like soul evisceratingest ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like so, someone is just like a fucking, like just a fucking nerd who's trying to use uh, the church to win. And an yeah she's like i'm so much cooler than you and i'm going to make this my identity it's basically i've gone to the shopping mall of things you can uh, consume or like labels you can place on yourselves and i've just landed on like uh paleo catholic and it's like what the fuck are you talking about i it's it seems like there's a lot of converts to some of the more like like orthodox christianity and catholicism and it's almost like they don't love christ as much as they like you know being based in all the fashy aesthetics or whatever and traditionalism and it just it makes me sad because i don't know yeah well i mean that's that's the funny thing about it it's like there's this we're supposed to love each other and you only love God as much as the worst person who's ever harmed you that you hate. You know what I mean? Like if you can't forgive and love people, then how are you going to be forgiven and loved? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the irony or like the paradox of it is like, if you are trying to follow Christ to be based, you'll never be based. And the only way that you'd become based is if you you just do it, not trying to be, you know, like it's the same thing. Yeah. Another thing is when I regular regularly visit it, visit the sacraments, when I take communion, when I go to Eucharistic adoration, uh, even just like praying a rosary, it it's not making me want to own people or tell them they're going to hell. It makes me realize how we're all just boring, miserable sinners and to love each other. That was yeah. That yeah. what well, Jesus told us to do is to love each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that's, and that's like another thing is also like that humility, right? It's like the, you know, uh, humble, the humble will be exalted and the exalted will be humbled. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't, you know, as soon as you start thinking like, I am so cool and smart for being like so traditional and, uh, you know, at that point, the moment that you think I'm cool or I'm better than people is like, yeah, you've already fallen and you're in the muck with them. You're just a pig uh, fighting with other pigs at that point. You're covered in slime and you're shoving your snout into the muck to, to ruffle about for little like morsels, you know, of garbage that you can eat. Uh, and there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing godly about it. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but to quote Helena Blavatsky. I don't know who that is. <laughs> he like she was kind of like a like a nineteenth century kind of she started the theosophy, like the Theosophical Society. So like you have you heard of Manly P. Hall, The Secrets of All Ages and stuff? No. No, okay. Well, <laughs> there's I mean, she has this one quote and I'm paraphrasing uh it's basically uh virtue and wisdom are sublime things but anything that makes you hello oh god uh virtue and wisdom are sublime things are you still there okay so uh Raya's mic has just dropped out (laughs) are you still there yeah, sorry, did I cut out? You absolutely did. You, you left off as virtue and wisdom are sublime okay. things. So virtue and wisdom are sublime things, but anything that makes you f- feel a spirit of separation or, you know, better than someone is just a snake, one of the snakes of self appearing in a finer form. 
I'm paraphrasing, but I think I got mostly correct. <laughs> well, that tracks. Like, I mean, snakes of finer form, that sounds quotational and doesn't sound paraphrasial. So to I, my mind, I think you've, you've got it. You nailed it. Okay. I think, I mean, it's not, you know, verbatim, but I think I, I got it pretty close. I didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's. Good quote though. And it, you know, it's something that I personally need to remind myself of all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess. Yeah, we all want to feel better than others. Like, I mean, that's the impulse that we should try to discourage, but it's there, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the constant, like evaluating yourself of like, where am I in kind of like this hierarchy of society, you know, or like whatever little groups that I'm in and, and forming little like, yeah. And I mean, I guess that's it. It's like that notion of division, right? Like that idea that like, oh, like I'm an atomized uh, being who must find a place uh, is one born out of kind of like the insecurity. Like if you're on the bottom, like, damn, that really would suck to be there. So I hope I don't, I got to do everything I can to not wind up in the bottom of whatever hierarchies emerge. Yeah. Uh, but also like this, um, I guess if we're going to the Christological or like Pauline kind of like interpretation, it's like this notion that like, oh yeah, of course we're all different, you know, whereas the uh, Christ interpretation is like, yeah, well, if you have faith in him, right. And that's really all you need, then yeah, everyone becomes one. You live forever. You become immortal. Like you, you know, uh, the selfishness, like the kind of, uh, world of the flesh and all of its, uh, desires is all just melts away. Yeah. It's, I think, like, obviously, we all have to contend with, you know, battling the flesh, whether it's, you know, anger, or lust, or pride, all of those things, we're always constantly dealing with that. But I think that's almost like proof that we're meant for things that are eternal, instead of everything else, like in this life, that's like, we're gonna lose everything like we're all gonna die we're gonna lose everything and the only thing that's going to be left is you know that eternal part of yourself and hopefully that part of yourself doesn't become separated from god because like why would you want that yeah well i mean it's it it, it does seem kind of like a bit of a like all or nothing right like if you're taking the kind of uh, what is it pascal's wager which is like either you know you place your faith in god and uh, if he's not real, then you don't really like you can't take anything with you after you die anyway. But if he is, then, you know, kingdom of heaven is uh, yours to claim. Right. Like you're going up there with him. But uh, in I don't know, I, I honestly I don't like the, the concept of the afterlife, but it's uh, a difficult thing to contend with. I mean, all I know is like my personal experiences and it's very hard to translate that to others in a way that makes sense to them because personal revelations are so personal and private and you know something that felt absolutely miraculous or like a breakthrough to me like to other people just sounds like whatever you know because they didn't experience it but yeah. i really do believe that god works individually in hearts and that I think the best thing I can do as a Christian or trying to be a practicing Christian is to just be a joyful person. And hopefully other people see that and they want that too. Yeah. No, I mean, if you, if you live that with, works, yeah, it, it works better than telling people they're going to hell and you know, all that other stuff. No, I mean, it's as a uh, Christ says, like you, you be the, the shining beacon on the hill, right? Like you are the, the light to others. That's really the only way to do it. Like you can't, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of Christians, they preach, right? Like Paul is preaching in this letter, but the most effective way I think is, yeah, you just lead by example. Like if your faith is strong enough, because I mean, it really is uh, just having that kind of certainty is in itself a kind of power. I mean, even, you know, uh, assuming that God is is not real, just having a faith in a being that doesn't exist, like gives you a kind of certainty and strength that like a lot of people just don't have. A lot of people are really lost and confused and they look to you as kind of like a, you know, a stable light and as a leader and as a, a kind of, mm -hmm. I don't know, person to uh, put their faith in as well. Not like the same kind of, but like the, yeah, the notion of like, 
whatever. And if your actions are, are good and just and true and sincere, then, you know, when they're, when they're following you, when they're placing their faith in you, it's, it's not misplaced. Right. I mean, it's a journey of ups and downs and several detours for me. Um, I mean, I was raised, my family's very blended. Like my dad is a Jewish convert to Christianity, to Mary. Oh, Mary. Okay. Uh, Lebanese Maronite woman. And uh, like my grandparents were Orthodox and then they became um, Jehovah's Witnesses. I have Muslims in my family. I have Jews in my family. I have all kinds of different Christian denominations in my family. So I don't know. It's, it's a lot really. Yeah. You're all over the place. My God, I guess I, I try to be respectful of all of them. And I think they've all got really good things about them. Like I think Islam's really beautiful. Um, you know, some of my closest friends are Muslim. And so I really do have a lot of love and respect for them. And yeah, it's hard to feel like there's kind of this, uh, like as a Christian, you know, you're supposed to spread the gospel. And I don't know if I feel comfortable doing that a lot. Um, I did have one of my, my Muslim friends tell me that since they knew me, they learned more about Jesus and felt closer to Jesus than ever before. And that was like the, that was so sweet. It meant the world to me to hear that. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's actually, that's like really inspiring. Like that's like an incredibly flattering thing to say into here. Cause I know, I don't know a ton about uh, Islam. I mean, which is weird considering how exposed to it I am, like living in Toronto and the specific area of Toronto I'm right. in, which is heavily uh, Muslim is like the, yeah, like I, but I know that they consider uh, Christ to be a prophet, not like son of God, but just like a very holy and, and righteous man. So like the notion yeah. of like, them coming around to like hey maybe he was actually special you know is well i know they believe in that he was conceived by that the virgin mary was a virgin he was conceived like you know in a special way <laughs> um but they don't believe that the crucifixion happened to them i i hope i'm not getting this wrong but i think they believe that god like created a double of jesus to be uh crucified and then like saved him from that huh. oh so he so he wasn't actually resurrected is what they're they're getting at it's like yeah, the, they, they deny they don't i'm pretty gosh i hope i'm not getting this <laughs> but it's just from my limited understanding that um they don't believe jesus was crucified and died on the cross okay which well is kind of like the main point <laughs> Isn't it? Well, you know, it's funny. Like, yes, that is like a huge part. But even if you just took that out, he's, you know, he did so many other miracles that yeah. I you could even just discount the, the resurrection as is like a proof. I mean, it's funny because they do build it up a lot where he has like these apostles. And he's like, surely I will die and be resurrected in three days. And they're like, what is he talking about? Maybe this is a metaphor. Right. But uh all, like all the while they're following him as he heals lepers and walks on water and multiplies bread and makes fish come from barren waters and so demons and the demons even i mean if the in the accounts in the gospels the demons even acknowledge him yeah no and it's also i mean even when he's baptized like god opens up the heavens and is like this is my son and i'm well pleased with him and then the muslims are like well he was just flattering him he was just he was god was just yeah, blowing him up a little bit he wasn't being serious he was being ironic a very ironic irony pilled god yeah. doing a little prank there man i have i have always questioned so much like i even Sometimes I'm like, well, maybe there's time travelers <laughs> with advanced technology and they went back and like it, the Jews thought it was God beaming Jesus up and down. <laughs> like, I don't know. I've, oh my God. I've asked myself so many bizarre questions about it, but yeah. I mean, I am a believer, but I've also like, there's that part of me that is trying to find like a rational explanation for things. <laughs> 
I mean, it could it could be time. I mean, here's the, like my problem with time travel is like once you open that up as a possibility it's like uh like oh like what if everything is a simulation or whatever it's like once you open that box then like anything is possible it's like literally you can't build a coherent uh one you, you can't really test it but also you can't really build a coherent uh you know model of the world based on it like if time travel is real then you how do you explain anything that happens? It's like if, oh, well, the people went back and then they changed it. But by changing it, they either uh, removed themselves or like changed the thing that would make them go back in time. Or it's just a completely different little branch of timeline, in which case, like, what's the point? Like, why go back? You know, because if, if the branches are infinite already, then why create a new one? Because it's there already is a branch that something different happened because the, the time travel, it's like, it's, it's based on like the randomness of it all. It's just, it's so stupid that like, once you start thinking about it, it's like, Hey, wait a minute. Like this is tying myself up in knots here for no reason. <laughs> it almost makes sense. It makes more sense to me to believe that God, I don't think God is, physical i think he can manifest physically but i i think god is not a physical thing it's pure spirit pure awareness pure love and that is outside of time and space and i've also heard some theologians say that since god is outside of time and space as we know it as you know our conception of it that the crucifixion and the resurrection are simultaneously simultaneously happen at once for eternity huh i mean i think strange to wrap my head around but it's interesting concept yeah well i think that's like one of the main points of uh hebrews like i i read uh hebrews with transgret snoopy on transgret snoopy's podcast transgret snoopy presents the bible and uh we talked about how like basically paul is trying to preach to like usually his thing is like i preach the gentiles and like peter preaches to the um circumcised like the jews right uh but in that he's preaching to like a i guess a synagogue of jews who are you know trying to convert uh about how like oh see it actually he fulfills the covenant because christ is like sacrificing himself on the altar in heaven as you're like you know usually you'd sacrifice like a bull or something right but uh christ is sacrificing himself for you uh, eternally and always and resurrecting in order to sacrifice himself again so the covenant is fulfilled and he is fulfilling it so you don't need to you know yeah which I is that's all of it so like there's a lot of like the new testament seems very esoteric and then the old testament feels very like material and like there's just they're so different to me i'm one i'm very curious on your perspective like the tone shift between you know the old testament and the new like the way i see it it's kind of like uh, it's you got like i mean i know a lot this is like unpopular but it's like you you, if you really want to understand and really get like there's some good meat there's you need the context of the old testament in order to understand what the new testament is doing and breaking from that like there are like to say like the old testament like the tanakh is just like oh and then uh you know uh, Joshua came to Israel and he slaughtered so many people and the Canaanites died and fell before him and God opened up the heavens and they blew their trumpets and the walls of Jericho fell down and yay, they did do some serious killing. Uh, you know, it's almost like a, like a, it's like a history book, the old Testament. And then the new Testament is like, you know, all right, we're going to get psychedelic here for a minute. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing is that there's even like the psychedelic philosophical whatever that happens in the Old Testament. Like people like get hung up on the stuff where it's like the genealogy of like who begat who or like how to build the ark and how to build and the temple. The battles and, you know, all the yeah. battles, the different families and whatnot. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. But I mean, you have like, I mean, the book of Job is probably the most, I mean, hell, even in Exodus, Exodus has some really like fascinating, just uh, little bits where if you think about it, it's like, oh my God, this is philosophically like incredibly interesting. Like the notion of hardening Pharaoh's heart or like when Moses is like, I'm a, a, a shitty man who doesn't know how to speak and I'm not very good at doing anything. And then God is like, you know, who do you think it was that made you bad at speaking and not good at like, not very physically fit. So in, you know, if I did that, then I can also fix it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, which like you think about it, it's like so wait then god did everything bad is god's fault but then he's also uh the good is also him so there's no escaping him but then that means that the gods that he fights in acts because i mean like the thing is like pharaoh's um magicians and priests like do magic like they actually they replicate like the raining frogs and the like you know they turn water into blood and stuff uh and and it's like yeah those are all there but they're also then that must mean that god also created them you know and and yeah it's really like you there's a lot to think about in just the you know the old testament like the tanakh in general um and then what comes out of that is like yeah you get this meta referential like a new testament because it kind of bases itself off like the um like after alexander the great took over like all of that area a lot of the uh jewish stuff like the jews moved to greece and then started uh transcribing a lot of like their their texts into ancient Greek, right? Like, and so suddenly it became like possible for scholars and like different people to read all of these texts, you know? Cause like, yeah, Judaism was not like the most unified thing. Like it was all over the place. Like the writing, I don't know how like ancient Hebrew was, but like the, yeah, like the writing of it, like the, the Torah scroll, I don't even think that was like around, you know? Uh, like, I mean, famously, like Jesus spoke Aramaic, which was like a mixture of like a couple different things. And obviously like doesn't bear a ton of resemblance to, uh, Hebrew, right? Like the modern Hebrew that we have, despite like the state of Israel saying like, Oh, like this Hebrew has been around for like thousands of years or like millions of years or whatever. And it's like, it hasn't, it's actually, it's evolved a lot. Uh, the language, the liturgical language in uh, Maronite uh, services is in uh, Western Syriac. Uh, we call it Saryoyo. And, um, but it's very, very close to Hebrew, like astonishingly close. There's a lot of, co- like, it's, it's very, very similar. Yeah. What, what is the Marian, Marianite uh, tradition? Like, what is that? I've never actually heard of that one before. Basically, it's basically Lebanese Catholics, but the actual services, like we're in communion with full communion with Rome. Uh, however, our priests are allowed to marry and have families and most of them do. The monks do take a vow of celibacy. Um, so, I mean, it's basically, it's an Eastern Catholic church. Our liturgical language is Western Syriac. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, it's really old. Like, it's probably one of the oldest Christian communities in the world. Um, and yeah, but we're, you know, we're in communion with Rome. But a lot of the, in the liturgy, a lot of it feels very similar to Orthodox. Uh, Christianity, but it's not, it's not in schism. Cool. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It seems like I've, I've always, uh, kind of felt like the Eastern Orthodox tradition was like the true heir to like the, the Christianity, right? Oh, it's, it's beautiful. I, I, I feel like I've been flirting with it for years. Um, my grandpa was actually, uh, Orthodox Christian. Um, so I've always been like really curious and I love the Desert Fathers. There's so much like really, really beautiful, beautiful uh, Eastern Orthodox stuff that you can can dive into. Lately, I've been listening to a podcast called The Lord of the Spirits. Um, and it's basically, uh, they're talking about spirits and other gods and stuff and how the bible doesn't really preclude them and they talk a lot about like fallen angels and basically saying like you know the greek pantheon for instance those were fallen angels 
And apparently, oh, wow. since they're so horny, that kind of proves the point. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Which it's a really fascinating podcast. I've only listened to like the three first episodes, but it it's really, you know, it's one of those things where you hear it and you're like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it sounds uh, Gnostic, actually. Like, the, the Gnostic tradition, I think, is, like, very much, like, the angels fell, and, like, uh, there's a secret book that Judas wrote, and, like, there's all this... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of those books are actually, like, in the Ethiopian Bible. Like, they didn't, like, they kept them in there, which I think is super cool. I'd love to, I'd love to read more of that stuff, honestly, but yeah. one thing in a time, right? Yeah, I tried to read the um, uh, the book of Judas because I uh, kept on doing this like thing where I would, I would talk to people where I'd be like, oh, actually, like in betraying Christ, like that's how, you know, Judas played his like his role. He was like, you can't have uh, Christ without someone betraying him. Like, that's what really makes it. Uh, yeah, makes it stand out. It's like, so Judas was in many ways, like in the same way that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, like there's no way that he didn't harden Judas's heart. Like immediately after he like sells Judas out for like the equivalent of probably like $40, you know, like it's three pieces of silver was fucking nothing, you know? Uh, and then he immediately afterwards, he's like, ah, and then he throws the money back and then goes and hangs himself. It's like, there's no way that, like he was uh, possessed and moved by that exact same spirit that you know, uh, yeah, motivated Christ. Like it's just the same God. He did it. Well, I, mean, I mean, if you think about Satan, that's he's just an employee. Yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends on the interpretation, right? I don't know. I'm starting to think of that. Think of it that way more and more. Like the Holy Spirit is uh the paraclete the comforter um and then satan is in that opposite role he's the accuser so it's just like i feel like they're just two necessary aspects yeah well you can't you can't have one without the other this is yeah. not ephesians i forget which book uh but paul is talking about how with the commandments right you the commandments created sin if you don't have a law that says thou shalt not like steal then what is it that makes stealing bad right like it's you have to have like oh in order to be the good person who doesn't steal you need to have someone who does in order to have a good person who like obeys christ or whatever you need to have someone who betrays him you need to have evil in order that good may exist you know so it would make sense that, yeah, if, if God is going to create good, he would have to create evil as well, just in equal measure, that otherwise it just doesn't work out. Yeah. So should we get talking about Ephesians? Yeah. Ephesus? <laughs> let's, let's hop in. I mean, it's a short one. So I've, I've actually been to the it's, – it's kind of south of Izmir, Turkey, um, and like between Seljuk with that city it's uh the virgin mary's house that she lived in with uh with uh the apostle john oh wow death like you can go see that place it's still there it's really incredible but oh my god i didn't realize like yeah i guess i guess it makes sense that like yeah the apostles and mary and all of those guys like were still around after jesus died i guess like yeah just after acts like about a couple chapters in it becomes all about paul and the new testament is just it's all paul all the time yeah but so he established this church at ephesus um let's see like in acts 18 it talks about it so around ad 52 um he visited this place ephesus in modern day turkey um, on his second messenger, mess, ugh, missionary journey. Mm -hmm. um, and he didn't stay long at all, but he had like, you know, his homies there, uh, Apollos of Alexandria and Aquila and Priscilla, a married couple. And they kind of like left them in charge. Like they became, you know. Uh, and then on his second time and St. Paul's second visit to Ephesus, he stayed for about three years, which is the longest he ever stayed anywhere. And apparently it was, it was a really vibrant uh, church. 
Um, this is a huge trading trading port. It's the capital of proconsular Rome, like the capital in Asia. Uh, so it was a major trading hub, a very wealthy city. Um, and I guess the church was like big. Hmm. After a little while, they became pretty big. Um, so then after the three years, Paul goes back to Jerusalem. He's arrested and taken to Rome. Um, and that's where he writes this epistle to the church of Ephesus. And this is around AD 61. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so I kind of, I've kind of broken it down, broken it down. It's not a, it's not a long book. So like chapters one through three, he's talking about doctrine. Yeah. And then four to six, he's talking about duty as a Christian, the life you're supposed to live. Like, at first, he's explaining what we have, our wealth, our wealth in as Christians, who we are in Christ. And then the second part is like the walk. How are you supposed to live as a Christian? How are you supposed to relate to other Christians? And um, so, yeah, but by the third century, the church at Ephesus was basically dead. So it hmm. went from like kind of a major hub of christianity and then 200 years later it's dead you know yeah never really was revived um so after paul uh established this church timothy was the first bishop and then they had john like the apostle john like so this was a very important church and it should be kind of sobering to see how you know, just a few generations later, it's gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with a lot of like major Jewish cities, right? Like I think, um, I'm trying to think of one, maybe Nineveh. I don't know. I remember I was looking up, like I, I would look up like a major city and they'd be like, and this city will last forever. And then you'd Google it and it'd be like, well, they they found some ruins there roughly where, <laughs> They, they thought that it might be so presumably it uh you know was a pretty big city it was near a coastline probably housed about 500 people <laughs> a major city yeah exactly well i mean that's that's how it was back then like 500 to a thousand people is like you're looking that's goddamn that's a uh, uh bronze age chicago right there it's quite big <laughs> but how that's so that's so strange to think about um because Turkey, like, just Istanbul has, like, 18 million people there, which is mind-blowing to me. It's, like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> How do so many people live there? <laughs> uh, man, I, I mean, I, I wish you could. I think, like, density is a big part of it. Like, they've managed to build in such a way that, like, like I don't know what rough region you live in. Like, I, I guess you're American, right? But, like... Yeah. I spent a lot of time in Turkey over in 2020 uh, in Izmir, not much time in Istanbul, but um, like in that area. And it's interesting because it's, there's so much history there. Like that's where Troy was. Um, What? Yeah. The city of Troy is like just near where Ephesus was. Oh my Um, God. They speculate that at least they there's, there's pretty good evidence that that's where it was. Um, And then you've got the Christian history on top of that all. So it's just like, well then also, and also like the Islamic history Yeah. after that, it's, it's really like, Oh, it's the center of the world. Oh yeah. Turkey is religiously. And then, you know, you have Gobleki Tepe or whatever it's called, and that's like the oldest temple ever. So it's, if you like history and archaeology, Turkey's a wonderful place to go because they have it in spades. It's, yeah, you can't get bored in that place. <laughs> There's so much to do. And the Aegean coastline is, is really beautiful and it's very affordable and it's really nice. The food's excellent. If you ever get a chance to go, you should. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll go to Turkey the next uh, chance. Like, I mean, I'm not I'm not a traveler. That'll uh, I'll, that'll never happen. <laughs> but yeah. you know, if I was, or to any listeners who are looking for their next travel destination, it's got to be Turkey or Iran. 
which I also yeah. hear is is beautiful. I have always I when I was in Turkey, like it was so close to Bulgaria. And I've always been strange. I'm not Bulgarian at all, but I've always been strangely fascinated with Bulgaria. Like I love the food. I love the history. Like, um, yeah. And they love, they love smoking there. They love smoking and weightlifting. Like if you look at like, uh, Olympic weightlifting results, like everyone above, uh, 150 kilograms or something like that. It's all Bulgarians. Wow. Below 100. I'm going to get a Bulgarian mail order husband. <laughs> Bulgarian weightlifting uh, Pujanowski kind of uh, guy or like, yeah. And I mean, and if you're looking for something a bit more econo sized, all of the uh, Olympic gold medalists below 150 are all Chinese. So they're more compact. Uh, Pocket tanks. No, they are. They're, I mean, like, oh God, I can't remember the guy's name. It's like Lu Xiaobu or something like that. Uh Anyway, uh, he's he's massive, but he's like five four, <laughs> but he can lift like yeah, he can clean and snatch three hundred fifty pounds. It's easy. Can he can he run up the side of a mountain? Yeah, uh, completely vertically, ninety degrees, and he runs up. He grips the he digs into the rocks with his toes, and uh, creates little toe holds like a, a mountain climber does with their picks. I went on a hike here in new mexico um like we went and drove up to about 12 10,000 feet and we were gonna hike up to about 12 13,000 feet um and this guy he's like you know he's super ripped low body fat and i'm just thinking oh he's gonna make me look so out of shape but it was the other way around and i was just like oh my god <laughs> like what's the use of being that strong if you don't have like endurance yeah well it's like i don't know a lot of a lot of guys like because i mean it's it's all about your function right like a lot of guys who are really like strong like power lifters uh either they get really fucking fat but they're able to like just because of the, the guts they're able to leverage uh, and deadlift like yeah 900 pounds but they can only do it for one rep you know <laughs> So you, you've got a guy who's really strong over a very, very short period of time versus like, yeah, I mean, you have like uh, the strong man guys who it's, it's theoretically is more functional. They're very good at just like lifting rocks. And then, yeah, you've got like body weight people who they look like they're uh, they don't look big, but the muscle is really dense. And yeah, they're usually able to do gymnastics type shit for long periods of time. But they'll never lift 900 pounds, not even close. So it's like whatever you want to specialize in, I guess, is like the lesson. You can't lesson. have it all, I guess. No, you can't. There's no one There's no one who's like, you know. I mean, it kind of bleeds over sometimes, right? Like if you have someone who's like, like they, they do those like uh, show matches where it'll be like a fight where it's like a boxer versus a bodybuilder. And the bodybuilder will just body him because the bodybuilder has 150 pounds on him, which means he's like faster, hits harder. Like it's, it's just, it's not even close. Theoretically technique should be, you know, counter, but like it just, all it does is allow the, the smaller guy to hold his own against a person who's not trained, but is massive. I recently started uh, boxing lessons twice a week back in June, and um, I was not expecting it to be so difficult. I thought that I was like, you know, gonna go in there first day and start, you know, hitting punching bags and doing drills. But the first month, it was all conditioning of just, you know, uh, footwork and keeping my gloves up. And I really, like, I think I'm in pretty good shape. I mean, pretty active but i was very humbled by how difficult it was and it hasn't it's i've gotten stronger it hasn't gotten easier but it's gotten you know i've just gotten better at it which yeah. is a great feeling but it was very humbling it's been very humbling yeah well, that's good though. Like boxing, like I, I used to do boxing uh, until uh, the pandemic hit. And, mm -hmm. Like in Ontario where I live, like everything shut down. Like gyms have just opened up finally after like a year. Like the last time they were open was like last, oh my like God. in 2020 March, you know? Uh, and it looks like they're probably going to close down again for the fall. 
just if things get bad but that like emotionally like not being able to just like go hang out with your friends or go see your grandmother or something that would break my spirit completely well i you just just, you you have to deal with it that's the only that's the only thing really that i kind of can see like i'm also i'm a bit of a homebody so it's probably a bit easier on me than you know some people who are just social butterflies but it's like yeah what are you gonna do you know like theoretically like yeah you can go visit people in their apartments or whatever like there's not it's not like montreal where they fine you for going outside without a permit or whatever or they did anyway but yeah it's it's just more it's more a matter of like yeah if i wanted to do boxing training like i got like a heavy bag like i i bought that and i've been doing like the skipping and stuff but uh anyways my point is basically like yeah boxing kicks ass it's so cool um man i'm so glad you're into it like have you uh i I used to do cardio kickboxing uh mostly just because i'm a girl and i want to you know Stage. Yeah, yeah, they, they, no, they, they market like the kind of like bullshit classes to yeah. women a lot of because they're like, oh, I don't want to get too big, and it's like, no, just, yeah. just, it doesn't matter. There's, it's impossible. If you get too big, I, just stop, take a week yeah. off. You know. I love all that stuff though. Um, like, I mean, I even like going to Zumba with my mom. Like, I know it's corny as hell, but it's so much fun. Um, so like, yeah. I love doing that, and I like going to like you know stupid definitely marketed towards women like booty ballet bar classes (laughs) (laughs) but um i mean it's fun and you meet other women there and it's nice but with the boxing though uh i don't know it it makes me feel so good to notice myself getting stronger yeah and And you also uh, yeah yeah, and you also get like great yeah. And you also get like better at it too, where you're like, whoa, I'm like anticipating when punches are coming and I'm like rolling my shoulder to slip them. And like, I don't know, like I, like when I was doing it, I was like, oh my God, like I'm, you know, the gloves are always up. I'm always ready to counter. Like he'll come out with me with a hook, I'll block it. And then immediately afterwards, come out with a counter hook or like a check hook. And I'm like out of range. And I'm just like, ah, this suddenly, you know, the hands have gotten faster, the feet have gotten faster. Yeah, it's yeah one of the best feelings in the world man it's such a great feeling because you start off and you feel like just like a bumbling putz and then you know maybe it take it's definitely taking me a while but um like i feel much more confident about it and i'm excited to just like keep doing it consistently i mean i'm not gonna i don't think i'm gonna be like an mma girl or anything but i mean i've always loved like i've always loved boxing i love watching boxing i've always like I growing up I was really into dance and when you watch a good boxing match it feels like a dance between the two fighters and it's really beautiful yeah no it's honestly like it's a fantastic sport I mean like the MMA guys like they have their own thing and they are underpaid but like boxing is like I don't know it's funny because I remember with it very soulful like it feels like a very soulful sport yeah no, absolutely. Like, there's a drama that plays out. Like, have you, did you watch the um, Mayweather uh, YouTuber guy fight? I did not. I saw a little clip or, or whatever, but um, no, I didn't. Okay. So, because there, there was a fight, like, because they did uh, two show matches, but there was an actual, like, registered actual boxing fight in on the ticket. Uh, so there was just like, oh, like some guy, football player fighting someone. And then right afterwards, and I can't remember the name of the two people, but it was like, it was one of the better, the best boxing match of the night. 100%. It blew my mind. It was like, oh, the guy's name was like Urias or something like that. And then some other, some other guy, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, there's like the story plays out of like, oh, like there's one guy coming in like hard and like, you know, just giving the flurries. And then another guy gets the good shot off, like just gets him with like, uh, if I can like overhand uh, southpaw like in in the in the chin and that wobbles him, but like oh, is he able to keep the momentum? You know, and like oh, this guy's already taken a lot of damage, so who's anyone's game? And then like oh, the blood, maybe it's a technical knockout. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a beautiful sport. Yeah, I like how you know they they kind of do their trash talk before the fight, but at the end, it's like those two people are like a part of each other forever. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's very, it's very moving to watch. I'm I'm a fan for sure. Yeah. Have you, have you done, uh, have they let you do any sparring yet? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I'm barely, barely like doing starting on bag work now. Nice. I think I think that'll be fun because like yeah. sparring is so you have the point where you're just starting out and you're like, wow, I'm like really I'm just like a tin stone man. I'm just really awkward. But then you get to the point where you're like, I'm really destroying these pads and bags and then you're in the ring. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, I, I forget everything back to being that awkward. Like, you know, it's like a dog in socks. I don't know what I'm what I'm doing. Like, this is weird. Learning how to put the force in my punches is it's hard. I'm like, you know, I'm just a chick. <laughs> like, I've never really had to punch anyone seriously. Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm trying to do it right. Um, yeah, most honestly, most guys don't know how to do it either. Like a lot of guys, it's just like they just think, oh, well, just the big, the more, the tighter I squeeze my fists and the bigger my arm is, the more far, force I'll do. Whereas, like, yeah, that's how you wind up with like guys getting knocked out by people like the third their size because that guy is able to, like, you know, he's got 130 pounds, but he's using all 130 of them and loading it into, you know, a punch. Whereas, like, yeah, it's like a guy who's like 200 pounds, but. And he's just using his arm. What does that weigh? Like 30 pounds, 40 pounds, maybe max, you know, it's, it's nothing. My, um, the, the muscle on the back of my arm, I'm, what is it? Is it the tries? Yeah, it's the tricep. I have never, like, I'm starting to see more definition in it. And also in my shoulders, which I've been trying to do for years. And like, it just that hasn't really happened, but like seeing that is, it's a really good feeling and it makes me feel really good. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's it. We've all, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a way to bring this back to Ephesians. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're just hanging out. We're just hanging out. We're just talking. I mean, like, you know, you kind of went over it. It's like, yeah, first he has like the introduction where he talks about the faith and then like, here's what we can all do and here's how to be good. Right. Right. And that's it's all three sections can break it down. I did like the part in four eleven where he talks about um, how Christ is uh, bestowing upon us like different gifts. I can, I'll just read it out. Okay. Uh and his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pa pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may, not, so that we may no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had it right here. Well, no, it's honestly, I uh, appreciate that you got, you got to a much faster than I did. So you deserve to read it, but I mean, no. And, the, and that's it. It's like, really, we are uh, bodies to the head of Christ. You know, it's so everyone has, everyone's a little muscle, everyone's a little organ or appendix or like a fingernail. And it's, uh, you know, whether you're uh, small and shitty, like a fingernail or like big and important, like a heart or like a tricep, uh, you're, you know, you're all part of the body and you're kind of subordinate and, and helping to do something valuable, right? Like you don't, don't notice that, uh, how important, like, yeah, a fingernail is until like one never grows back. Like, can you imagine if like your index finger just didn't have the nail grow back ever again? That you No, it would. And you'd be like, wow, this shitty part of the body is actually quite important. I didn't think that I would ever, you know, yeah, we're up. Paul's really consistent with that metaphor because then in in chapter four and five in chapter in chapter five when he's talking about uh, families, husbands, and wives, uh, like I thought that was really beautiful. I can see how some people would interpret that uh, chapter five, like verse twenty one 
to 33 i'm sure like some people it would you know maybe upset them or they would yeah they'd see it like a sexist or something if if you're like lone if you're lonely and bitter then uh (laughs) i think that's so beautiful um you know basically telling husbands they need to be like a like christ for their wife yeah for yeah, for no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and curses it as Christ does the church, because yeah. we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother to be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one. Uh, this is the great mystery. Uh, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Uh, yeah. He who loves his wife loves himself. Love your wife. Love your wife. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Like, I mean... I think it's really, I love that uh, in my faith, it's taught that the husband is the head of the family. The woman is the heart, the neck, even who turns the head. But the husband's like has a sacred responsibility to get his family to heaven, to to be their example. I don't know. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, can you think of a better way to organize a family? Right. It seems to work pretty well. Like in, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chapter six is interesting because they talk about slaves. Well, I was going to say like, oh, just be good little slaves, be obedient to your little masters. And it's, and it's, it's funny because you're reading that and you're like, eh, but it's like just as, uh, you know, slaves to your masters as we all are slaves to Christ. And it's like, hmm, yeah. I guess, yeah, that's true. But then that's, uh, slavery you know it's kind of yeah. we don't like that word now that's very like in modern society it's, it's kind of bad yeah. um and then he talks about the armor of christ which i i can't i think it was the episode with um uh menace to society and samara pig where we talk about like the belt of truth you gird your loins with the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness and your your feet of the equipment of peace the shoes of peace and stuff. Yeah, and have you shot your feet with the gospel of, pe- of yeah. peace. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It, it's funny. All the flaming darts of the evil one. There's some interesting language in this book, especially like when he in chapter two, when he's talking about, you know, the as you have. As, as you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses of sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind. And so we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of them. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love, with which he loved us even when we were dead through our trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in christ jesus that's interesting yeah well i mean especially when he talks about like the prince of heirs it's like i've never never heard that one before but that's there's a a lot of that language uh especially like in in enoch and and job as well which is fascinating because obviously there's a lot of talk in the bible about spirits um and satan and like the powers of this world uh and it kind of gives you the impression that the prevailing spirit of the age is, you know, Satan. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing that we're constantly fighting with. Is we're constantly battling with, I mean, Satan, we're battling with sin. But that's only, like, again, it's only because, like, the goodness of God kind of exists for us to embrace, he's right? Also, he's also referred to as the Lord of this world. Yeah. Age. So it's almost like... Well, I think it's in the Gnostic tradition. It's like you have the demiurge, like the flesh and this kind of world is like, uh, it's an illusion. It's an evil trick to make you believe that this is what matters as opposed to like the true son of heaven, uh, like the outside of the cave. Yeah. So it's 
like we have to transcend this trap of materialism and keep our like not get caught up in the flesh but you know try to be guided more by spirit which is hard yeah it's probably the hardest thing right i mean oh yeah well, no, that's a, that's a funny thing. It's just like, it's really simple. It's like, just believe in, believe in God, but it's so hard. It's like the hardest thing you'll ever do. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, like I try to be a good Christian. I, um, for me, the biggest thing is my anger, my temper. Like when people come after me, you know, I'm like, oh, I got to go back after them, you know, <laughs> but um, I'm trying not to do that anymore. Um, like I'm trying to just like not dignify it. Like, I don't, I don't know. It, does, it doesn't feel good to just, like, ignore and not respond to, like, horrible things people are saying about you, but it's probably the best way. But no, it, it is. It's just you You learn to, like, uh, forgive and ignore. Like, I mean, this is another thing Paul talks about, like, in the, oh, God, what section? Uh, no, it's, it's in, give me a sec. It's not in this. It's not in Ephesians. It's in Romans, uh, where he just talks about like there are all these sections about minding your own business. It's just basically yeah, how worry, worry you, about you, yeah, you worry about yourself because your your duty is to God. It's not to others, and God is the grand judge. So it's like, yeah, have forgiveness, have patience, and in the and have faith that things in the end will you know probably work out. Yeah, it's I mean, hard. It's hard so many times like on, on you know on trad twitter or even just catholic twitter it's like people's entire like personality is accusing people going after people and it's just like like worry about your own sins you know what i mean and you should be hard on yourself and forgiving on others yeah like, it needs to be more than that more of that um, I'm really trying to get better with this. Yeah. Even, even on like on yourself, like, I don't think like even you should be hard on yourself. I think one of the reasons that we practice forgiving others is so we can practice forgiving ourselves, you know, oh, like oh, not absolutely. to say that you're excusing yourself for like bad behavior, but to learn like, yeah, there are reasons that you, you make mistakes just as much as they do. And by learning to forgive them to see like, okay, well, you know, they're, not doing this because they're like evil or unforgivable or whatever. It's like, yeah, they're just kind of lashing out for whatever reason and they're hurt or something stupid or they're, you know, having some kind of like uh, bipolar freak out or they're schizophrenic or, or whatever. Uh, and, and, and in practicing forgiving people, you get better at forgiving yourself. It's a muscle you build up and suddenly, yeah, you're able to forgive yourself when you, when you screw up, but also recognize like, yeah, I've got to do better. You know, you need both it's a good practice because if it makes me pause and remember the way people have made me feel when I've been receiving the kind of treatment that I really want to dish out, if it, if it gives me pause, then it was all worthwhile because I mean, I would like, I don't, I don't care who you are or if you hate me or love me, but like, I don't want to make you feel bad. Like I don't care. Yeah. Like, I want the best for everyone. I mean, I'm really trying to embrace that. So the old life and the new, Ephesians chapter four. Yeah. Uh, where is this? Let me find the, the part that I really liked. Uh, okay, here we go. Until we attain the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be... Wait, no, I already read that. Whoops. My bad. No, no it's, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, so look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, always and for everything, giving thanks in the name of the Lord your God. 
don't know. I really like that because the more I distract myself, um, you know, with things that don't like just time wasting things that don't produce any like good fruit in my life. Um, it's so easy to get caught up in that and like just boredom and like gossiping and you know just yeah well we we know we know what we're supposed to do right like we know what like intuitively almost like what's what's bad and and like what's what's good like in, in like almost intuitively we know like oh like i should oh i should be doing this and i should be doing that and ultimately what is what is stopping us you know um, yeah. and like a part of it is like, you know, our own kind of weakness and inability, but, uh, yeah, like it, it's really not that much of an imposition to mm-hmm. try and start moving in the direction of acting how we think we should. Uh, sorry, there's a lot of chaos that's kind of impending to break out in my house. And also we reached an hour. Okay. Uh, so do you have any closing thoughts on Ephesians? Um, I think it's really beautiful. It's a short book. Um, I think it's sobering just knowing the history of the church and that he wrote this letter to be distributed widely among Christians in a very vibrant, you know, new church. And yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. Church at Ephesus. Well, I mean, there was for a while, but I I guess I don't know how long it lasted. Uh, Like 200 years. That's pretty good. <laughs> Too bad, but yeah, I I felt like I there was a reason that I read this at this time in my life, and it I don't know, it felt kind of uh, providential if that makes any sense. Like I needed yeah. to read this right now, and I'm 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 grateful I did, and I'm grateful um, uh, for the opportunity to talk to you about it. I don't think we covered a whole ton of stuff, but it was a really it's, nice. Chat. It's, it's a short, it, honestly, it's a short chapter. Uh, we covered, we covered a lot. I mean, it is, it's, and it's providential that you, like I had Ephesians next and you were, you know, tweeted like, Oh, I wish someone would, you know, want to read Ephesians. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, as much a sign as anything else time to invite you on. It's a really good book. I also, um, I also, I really love Tobit. Did you do an episode on the book of Tobit? We're not, I'm not, I don't think I'm doing, I don't think Tobit is in the, uh, this version. If you, ever, if you ever do a bonus episode, I would love to be on to talk about it because, you know, I'm like the dog lady and there's a dog in that book. who's okay. an angel. Huh. It's, it's probably one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. It's, it's really interesting and there's even like a a lady possessed by demons who kills eight husbands like it's it's there's some good drama there oh my god <laughs> man they, 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 the protestants cut out all the good books <laughs> like yeah if you're messy and love drama like me you will love the book of tobit it's it's a wild ride <laughs> nice all right uh raya do you have anything to plug um no just i hope everyone's doing well who listens to this and god bless you thanks for having me on awesome and to all my bible buddies out there i love you